0: Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. If you're following along with us in the study guide, we're going to do the Greek word first, and then we'll get into our conversation for today's chapter.
1: All right, Acts chapter 6, our word, our Greek word today is angelos. It means angel. It can also mean messenger. You may have some certain ideas that come to mind when you think of an angel, certain images that come to mind. Uh, Originally just means messenger, but certainly takes on... uh, you know, a theme kind of throughout scripture. We see angels in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Angels are a big deal for Luke. They're going to show up a lot. 21 times in the book of Acts alone, we see this word angelos, 175 times in the New Testament. And angels are going to do lots of different things. I mean, in Luke, we saw angels bring the message to Mary and to Zechariah. Uh, Angels strengthened Jesus uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, In the book of Acts, angels are going to break Peter out of prison, for example, and do things like that. Uh, But it's going to be kind of all over the place. Um, Here in Acts chapter 6, where we see the word angelos, is at the very end where where Stephen, who's kind of this new emerging figure who becomes kind of a hero early on in the book, it says all sorts of positive things about Stephen, that he's a worker of miracles and that He's going to be falsely accused, but that his critics, the people can't stand up to his wisdom because he has this kind of natural and supernatural wisdom of talking about Jesus and testifying uh, about you know Jesus and from the scriptures and that sort of thing. And Acts chapter 6 is going to end with saying they looked at Stephen as he was about to speak before the Sanhedrin and his face was like the face of an angel, right? And so you think about is is there – anything that could be more encouraging? Or uh, is there a bolder statement that could be made about, you know, Stephen and his presence there? This is like the 10th positive thing they've said about him in Acts chapter 6. And then it's going to move into Acts chapter 7, where he's going to give this long speech telling the story of Jewish salvation history from a Christian perspective, ending with Jesus, and then he's going to be killed, right? And so uh, angelos is our word here, pretty common theme for Luke, we see angels show up at almost every turn. So look for that as you reading through the book.
0: Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. Today we are talking about Acts chapter 6, and my guest today is, well, we are not exactly sure what his title is, but we are calling him the Operations Assistant, and he is Nat Becker. Welcome, Nat. Thank you. So glad that you're back. We had such a good time when you were here on the Luke podcast. We did. (laughs) So today we're talking about Acts chapter 6. It's a short chapter in the book of Acts, which some of the chapters are fairly long. This is one of the shorter ones. Um, And let's just go through the chapter since it's not very long. So what was sticking out to you in this chapter at the beginning?
2: At the beginning, it just starts by this mingling of different cultures.
0: Yeah, the Greek-speaking Members of the church and the Hebrew-speaking members. The, the
2: Hellenists, the, the Greek-speaking and, and towards the Hebrew-speaking believers. And they're all under this church, right? So we have these uniting cultures under the umbrella of essentially this this modern church, right, who's following in the steps of Jesus as the Messiah and, and the Savior here.
0: And we had seen earlier where poverty had been eliminated in the early church because— Everybody was giving generously, and distribution of things was was even. But now we're kind of seeing some grumbling in the food distribution.
2: Yeah, so they essentially, uh, so the Hellenists essentially call out the Hebrew speaking believers on on discriminating against their windows in the food distribution, which, as you said, was solved just a little bit earlier. So in order to deal with this problem, the apostles call together, right? And instead of dealing with it themselves, this is probably a pretty major problem at this point if it gets the disciples together. There aren't that many of them, Mm -hmm. all of 12. And instead of abandoning their responsibilities, they elect a whole bunch of people to go out and essentially take on this problem and solve some of this inner conflict, which I think is an example of incredible leadership of delegating. Yeah the problems away instead of instead of micromanaging or instead of even any of any of the disciples would have been qualified to handle this but they have another calling right so they're all listening to their calling the spirit that's in them and following in their steps
0: yeah and what i think is great is that they're not that they're the only ones that can do it but you know what are the things that they can do you know, like a leader saying, what are the things that only I can do and right. what are the things that other people can take care of? And as someone who deals with control, being controlling, I appreciate them delegating because I think sometimes it can be hard to to delegate things, but they are so focused and so surrendered to the call that's on them that they just delegate and let someone else deal with this. And one of those men is Steven.
2: You know, the the picture we get of Stephen here is, it doesn't say a ton, but it says a man full of faith, right, with the Holy Spirit. It, it talks about him. I think mean, one thing is, is that he's a ordinary guy with the spirit and faith in him, mm-hmm. right? That is, that's the sort of the picture that we're given. And then he goes on in the next chapter to give an amazing testimony, right? Yeah. As we'll see later in a few verses here.
0: It kind of goes head to head with people. But before we get there, I want to talk about... That um, God, so in verse seven, God's message continued to spread and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. I know that I have read that before, but that is so profound to me that these men whose whole job was to make atonement for their people realize that the atonement has been made in Jesus and they start following Jesus. It's amazing to me.
2: That changes your whole livelihood, right? Mm -hmm. Being a priest isn't nine to five. It's your life. It's a whole lifestyle. You spend your whole life doing this to come around and realize that the atonement has already come.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Well, and the, like the, I mean, we have talked about this with Paul being one of the Pharisees that, Mm that, you know, this whole like turn that you have to, you know, this 180 turn that you have to make because... It's so other, it's so different from what you've always been taught your whole life. So I didn't want to miss that because I think that's so significant that many of the Jewish priests were converted to. But then you were going to talk about Stephen. So what do we see Stephen doing next?
2: Brimming with God's energy and doing wonderful things among the people, unmistakable signs that God was among them. He comes in and does miracles, as Stephen, with the Spirit.
0: Right. I think it's amazing, too, that it says a man full of God's grace and power and that it's the because the question in the study guide is, what picture do we get of Stephen in chapter six? And I had written that he's a godly man, and I, I think what has been amazing me through the book of Acts is the power of the Holy Spirit, and and that Stephen is—I mean, Stephen is the first martyr of the church. What happens to him is significant. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, but he's still just a man. It's the Holy Spirit through him that's doing these amazing things and that he's just completely surrendered to be used in whatever way and to do whatever the Holy Spirit leads him to do, I think is amazing. And so then he, in verse nine, it talks about that he is kind of going head to head in this conversation with men from the synagogue of freed slaves. And we did a little bit of study to figure out what this was, and these are Jews who who were born into slavery, but then became free, and ended up building their own synagogue. Which actually, I think it said that didn't it say that they were they found the synagogue in Pompeii? It was part of Pompeii.
2: Yeah, they seem to have found evidence of it in Pompeii.
0: Yeah, and so that so I I think it's significant that these were men who had been enslaved and are now free, and then what do we see them do?
2: bribing people to lie and accuse Stephen essentially to bring him in against the courts they're
0: yeah so these people that were oppressed we see them trying to op- what I guess the way what the words I'm putting on it is they were oppressed and now they're oppressing Stephen yeah. because they couldn't match the his wisdom and the Holy Spirit that was within him when he spoke
2: because when they went head to head the spirit won
0: mm-hmm Yeah, and so we see Stephen get arrested and he goes before the high council and then people make these false witnesses about them, about him. Oh, and I love how it ends in verse 15 when he's in front of the high council. And at this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. That makes me think of in the Old Testament when Moses had been in God's presence and he came back and people couldn't look at Moses
2: Yeah, with a veil? Yeah. It is unprecedented and, like you said, amazing how much the Spirit steps in all throughout Acts and all through Stephen's life.
0: And we'll see him described, I mean, we'll see his face described that way too in chapter 7, but let's answer this last question. Stephen is not one of the 12 apostles, but God uses him in powerful ways. Why is this significant? What would you say?
2: It's significant because Stephen is a normal human who receives the spirit, something that we know now we can all get by believing Mm -hmm. in Christ and goes on with great wisdom to do the work of the church. It's significant because we don't have to be one of the 12 disciples that even if we're not directly picked out by name and hand by Jesus, having met him on a shore somewhere, we can still do the work of the church.
0: Yeah. I love. Yes, that's what stuck out to me too, is that we can all be used and that it's all in that surrendering, just surrendering to the Holy Spirit in us and allowing the Holy Spirit to use us. And I, I think that's something that can feel uncomfortable sometimes because we don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot and trying to discern, is it the Holy Spirit leading me? Is it me leading me? You know, what what's the difference? And I think it's a step by step, put one foot in front of the other, working out understanding and hearing, you know, the more that you get into God's word, the more that you know him, I think the more right. that you're going to start to recognize his voice. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nat. Thank you for talking with me about Acts chapter six.
2: You're so welcome.
0: Well, thank you for joining us for Acts chapter six. Make sure that you subscribe to the, to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time for Acts chapter seven.
2: The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com.